Welcome, friends, to our afternoon together, exploring Celtic spirituality. The Irish have a saying, there are no strangers, only friends we haven't met yet. So I see some friends there, and I see some new friends. I see people I know and people I don't know, but you're all my friends today, okay? <laughs> Let's be friendly with each other. Let us welcome each other and ourselves to this space. My uh, workshop on Celtic spirituality is, uh, it comes out of my spirit. It comes out of my own explorations around Celtic spirituality and around my love for Ireland. And there are other Celtic countries. There's Scotland and Wales and Iceland and Britain and other countries, but uh, I know about Ireland. I love Ireland with all of my heart, <laughs> all of my being. And uh, it is, I think of it as the mother of my soul. And in the process of my spiritual journey, as I have stumbled into actions and habits that I love, 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 because they make me feel more connected, I discovered over time and after visiting Ireland and doing a lot of reading that a lot of it is out of that Celtic root. So I'm like, oh, actually, I'm practicing Celtic spirituality. I, I came to it. I came to it out of the things that I love. So I'm here today to talk about this with you guys, not as a historian, not as a scholar. I probably can't tell you a lot of facts <laughs> about uh, the Celts uh, and where all of this comes from, because as I said, I discovered it from my own uh, spiritual searching and seeking. So I'm here today as your friend, as your Irish friend, Mary, Mary Bridget Elizabeth Hayes Greco. I'm here as your friend to share the things that have been uh, meaningful to me and to invite you to an exploration. This is kind of an invitation to an exploration for yourself. So during the course of the class, I'm going to talk about a number of uh, spiritual habits that I have that I love that come from that Celtic root. And I'm going to invite you in the course of this time to think about choosing a few of them. In fact, choose three of them, a trinity, because a trinity is one of the important symbols in Irish spirituality. So um, I'll be talking uh, about a number of uh, things that we can do, and perhaps you're already doing some of them, but haven't really claimed it as a spiritual practice yet. You just do it because you, you have to. You just, I have to do this. But you don't realize perhaps that it is a, a spiritual practice as legitimate and as important as prayer or meditation or going to church. So uh, I'm going to invite you to think about, as I talk about these activities, to think about seeing which three of those make you light up a little bit inside or which three of those you're already doing but you want to empower yourself in doing them deeper and, and enjoying them more and claiming them as your way of being spiritual and i'm going to tell you some stories because uh i have to <laughs> 
I have to tell stories. God gives me a lot of stories to live and they're full of magic. And then I'm just bursting. I'm just bursting to share them. I've got to tell you, I got to tell you what happened. So I'm going to tell you two stories that have to do with two of my eight journeys to Ireland over the years where magic was afoot. And so I'm going to uh, invite you to cozy up and settle in and and light a little candle and lay down and during the break go get a cup of tea and you know let's be at a hearth space together today let's be at the hearth let's explore let's let's hear stories one of my brothers uh got his ancestry done you know the genetics thing and uh he discovered that our family is 96 percent from Ireland <laughs> and actually from a specific area in Ireland. It's so much from the Southwest of Ireland back on one side of the family to the 11th century, the Hayes go back to the 11th century and the Leahy's go back to the second century. So uh, I was kind of excited about that. I thought, well, that explains a lot. Everything that is good about me and everything that's hard about me is because I'm so from Ireland. <laughs> It's such a thing. And uh, and then the funny thing was that Ancestry contacted him a couple months later and said, oh, we're sorry, we made a mistake. You know, it's 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 not exactly accurate. Actually, you're 98% from Ireland and 2% from India. Oh, okay. All right. I guess that's where some of the Celts came from. So, so it's in me. I, I, I love it. I'm rooted there, and uh, I am. I can't even wait to um, be visiting Ireland again sometime. So this time of year, I I let myself get, go full indulgence into enjoying the Irish, enjoying Ireland, enjoying the stories, enjoying the practices. So I hope you will really enjoy this day too. So there's a lot I want to get into. So I, I don't want to uh, have everyone in the group talk right now, but I would invite uh, three of you, three is our magic number today. Three of you, uh, if you wish to lift your hand, we'll call on, call on you and just say uh, briefly something about why you're excited to be here. What's calling you here? Why are you making the time to do this? Would anyone like to share? Okay, Brett. Mary's aware of this, but I'm I'm also going through a, sort of a I, I work in in spiritual care in the in the hospital, and I'm going through an end of life education series through the Sacred Art of Living and Dying Center, and such a core aspect of that work um, and some of the the cultural elements of that work are tied to Celtic spirituality. And so I was sharing that with Mary <laughs> and there's just so much um, synergy in terms of her story and, and, and what I'm delving into, I just thought I wanna have a chance to hear more of Mary's story uh, with Celtic spirituality. So that's why I'm here today. Thank you, glad you're here. TC, did you have your hand up? I did Mary Bridget and i'm here today number one because i'm excited to be back in a classroom setting with you and hear some of your storytelling which i love but also because both of my maternal grandparents are from ireland many of my relatives have been there but i've never had the opportunity and it's just like something that always calls to me so i was i was just so excited when I saw your original email about this. 
and invited a friend. Yes, you did. Thank you. And that's Anna. Hello, Anna. Let's be friends. Hello there. Do you want me to just say a quick? quick sure. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for inviting me, TC. Uh, I am very excited. Um, my maternal grandmother is from Cork, Ireland. And um, there was a lot of, uh, I think, some mystery around some of the things um, that I recall about my Irish ancestors, um, one of which was there was some really strange, like, secret keeping and um, Irish Catholic traditions. And um, I was really interested in the Celtic, and kind of the old world traditions. Um, I'm very attracted to Celtic music. Um, I can't sit still when I hear it. It's in my blood. And so I'm really excited to be here today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. I sent out a handout this morning uh, that has uh, the flow of what we're doing here and has a list of the uh, Celtic spiritual practices that I'm about to talk about. And so uh, you can follow along with that if it helps or, or look at it later if you want, whatever. Um, I wanna talk first about spiritual practices, what they are and what Celtic, what I have identified personally as my Celtic spiritual practices. Spiritual practices are uh, actions and habits that we take often in everyday life and at certain times of the year because we want to uh, connect more with our soul, with God as we understand it, and with our mother, the earth. So there, there are things that we take ourselves to at times when we feel depleted or lost or, or searching for more richness in the day. And uh, they help us connect and they, they bring us present. One of the aspects of any spiritual path worth its salt is that it helps you become present, helps you become more and more here, more and more embodied as a soul in a person in this world. So we do spiritual practices because they help us connect and they help us come present. And of course, we're all familiar with the classic spiritual practices of prayer and meditation and going to church, but there are other ones. And we discover those organically, I think, because they please us so much and they make us feel comforted and they make us feel uh, part of something larger. So I'm going to uh, go through the list that I, I sent you in the handouts of, I call it a menu. It's kind of a menu of spiritual practices in the idea that uh, maybe there'll be three of them that you really connect with and you'll, you'll fashion your own trinity of new old spiritual practices at this time when we're trying to go forward, we're trying to reinvent ourselves, we're trying to find our places anew in our changed world. And we need to bump it up a bit <laughs> with our spirituality in order to be happy, in order to feel like all is well. So I'll be talking about a number of them. And then we'll focus on two of them a little more in depth. One of them would be the wheel of the year, understanding cycles of the year, the way the Celts understood them. And it helps us be in our relationship with humanity and our relationship with our mother, the earth, who has her own life and has her own cycles and ways and days and seasons. And uh, the wheel of the year 
marks the times in the earth's life where she's tilting she's tilting her face in a different relationship to the sun she's and there's a, a journey she goes through with light and dark and with expansion and contraction and with creating and with resting and those points on the year are part of her life and the the celts the ancient celts had um the had a knowledge of this um astrolog astron astronomically as uh we see in places like stonehenge and um newgrange and other places that are oriented in certain ways towards the cosmos so i have this little picture here to show you um uh and talk about just briefly what that those that those cycles represent um the other practice we'll go into a little bit more is the circle prayer, casting the circle. How do I pray in a space that is connected, earth and spirit, and north and south and east and west? We'll be talking about that too. And I'd like to invite you at the beginning of this workshop to think about this prayer at the end of the workshop, that you get to make a wish. You get to say an intention you get to acknowledge a dream that you have. Because when we create that space at the end of the workshop together, you'll, you'll stand in that space fully connected and put it out there, put out that wish, put out that dream, put out that intention. And I believe that the power of our group, our circle uh, will uh, enhance your ability to realize that to experience that, to have it come home to you. So more on the wheel of the year and the um, casting the circle later on. Those are the two main ones that I want to um, share about and invite you to explore. And there's plenty of things you can read and you can get online and, and go into depth on, on all of these some more, but I'm gonna give you these the way I understand them. So it's the wheel of the year and the casting the circle a la Mary Bridget, how I do it, how I how I have adapted it to my my um, pleasures and my spirit. So on the menu of Celtic spiritual practice, I'm just going to briefly talk about some of these things. After the wheel of the year, the casting the circle, uh, we can seek renewal with our relationship with the elements, earth, air, fire, water, space. And how many times have you been just exhausted and blue and you found yourself going to the woods or going to the lake or lighting a candle to say your prayer um, or, or going to a space that where you can breathe and you can feel the vistas and you can feel room and you can feel your spirit expand. The elements are such an important part of the life of the earth and our life with the earth and they can renew us. So, uh, so we go there and I'm sure you all have your own way of doing that. I know some of you as friends and I know what you, I know what you do. I know you have to go to the woods. I know you have to do this thing and it's just part of you. And uh, so that's one of the things that we can recognize more 
and bring to ourselves more because life is hard, life is difficult. And we get very stressed out and we get very tired and we get very empty. And to, to seek the comfort and the nourishment of one of these elements, the earth, the rocks, the trees, the air, the wind and space and, and vista, the, the fire of summer and flowers and blooming and dancing and creating, the waters, the, uh, the, the calmness, the reflection, the clearing kind of energy that comes with water. And that relationship with the universe to walk out at night under the stars and look up and remember that our home is somewhere. <laughs> we have a home on earth, but we also come from somewhere and we returned to somewhere. And when we go and look at the stars, we are uh, engaging in a spiritual practice. We are renewing ourselves with it, that element. There are certain archetypes, mythic uh characters and part of, of storytelling that come from Ireland uh, that are inspiring to us. And one of them is the hero. And the hero is, is what we admire and what we seek to be at times in our own life is to, to be bold, to be brave, to uh, dare something, to uh, risk something. And one of the things that I love about the hero archetype in Irish storytelling is that uh, the hero is accompanied by a band of friends. He's not a lone hero. He comes with a band of friends, Finn McCool and his mighty companions. And I feel that all of us that are trying to be heroic in our own humble ways, in our own uh, challenging human lives, we, we benefit by having the company of mighty friends, belonging to a group, belonging to a group and knowing that the group has your back. So I like to think of the groups that I'm in as my mighty companions, and it makes me feel stronger. The hero also had a dog. <laughs> you dog lovers will appreciate that. Uh, Finn McCool had a, a famous dog named Bran, and he was an amazing dog. He was a fantastic dog. It's the best dog ever. <laughs> so the, the hero is accompanied with his friends and his animal companion. There's another concept from Celtic spirituality that is rich and beautiful, and that is the idea of the friendship of the Anamkara, the soul friend. Anamkara means soul friend. And that is the person that you trust with your everything. The friend that you can bring your sorry little self to and say, remember, help me remember my greatness. Help me remember my hero self. Please help me sort out what is God trying to tell me in all of these things that I'm in right now? And what would you do? And what's your intuition about this for me? And, and the friend that you can whine and complain to and then move beyond whining and complaining uh, into mastery. Who do I mean to be? And are you there for me? Thank you. You are there for me. Thank you. And there's wonderful stories uh, from the stories of the Irish saints. And there were many, there were many Irish saints and they started monasteries and they led groups of people in developing uh, Celtic Christianity and on the island of Ireland. And um, this, 
all of the Irish saints had their Anamkara. They had that other saint that lived two counties away that they would journey to a few times of year to be together and seek, seek within, seek the truth and support each other to be great. So the Anamkara is a, a lovely uh, concept of friendship that comes from Ireland. And there is a lovely book entitled Anamkara written by the marvelous Irish philosopher, John O'Donohue. And uh, he talks about that extensively in his book. Celtic spirituality includes a very important relationship with trees, especially oak trees. So trees are our are, are, are relatives. We're actually like close to trees in our DNA. <laughs> We're kind of like trees. They're kind of like us in certain ways. And uh, trees are like people are, are conscious or sleepy. There's some trees are very awake. They're very, very present. The Celts believed that certain trees and certain areas of trees were the home of spirits, special spirits and angels. And uh, you could go and, and commune with that special spirit or angel by visiting this tree. And the oak, of course, is beloved for its strength and its longevity. And I have a friend who uh, was a Native American man who said to me one time when I was frustrated with my life and I every, it just felt like everything was taking so long. Everything I was trying to do was just taking so long. And he said, that's because you're an oak. He said, grow slow, last long. I'll never forget that. Grow slow, last long. And I think one of the gifts of trees is that they stand. They stand in resoluteness. They, they stand rooted into the earth and reaching for the heavens. And they serve. They serve uh, the birds and the people and the animals with their loving uh, selves. Uh, they with effortlessly, they don't try hard. They don't work hard like we do. They just be, they be. And I was told one time by spirit when I was taking a walk somewhere that, that trees um, embody that spirit of resoluteness. And that some trees, the ones that are awake, recognize the resolute humans when we're walking by. I don't know, you could show me your hand lifted. If you feel like you and a tree have nodded at each other knowingly as you walked by, like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know you, you know me, I know, we're here, we're standing. <laughs> we're standing, we're reaching. Uh, there's that sense of, of something witnessing you as you witness it in our relationship with trees. So we have to go to the woods sometimes and maybe we have a special tree. Maybe sometime we'll, we'll tie a prayer tie or some little bells or uh, tuck a little note of prayer at the root of a tree because it's our friend. It's one of our, one of our friends. The element of water brings us the idea of the holy well. The holy well is a big thing in Ireland and there are many, many, many holy wells in Ireland. And I'm just gonna believe that every last one of them is holy, okay? 
uh, because people have gone there for centuries and prayed and, and sought their connection with the earth and left their little offerings, left their little prayers. And there are St. Patrick's wells and there are Bridget wells and there are Mary wells, uh, wells that are dedicated to certain saints and deities. And, uh, and they do feel more alive. If you go near a holy well in Ireland, you do feel some amazing sparkling clarity of energy that's there that makes you feel more awake makes you feel more more conscious so we're not in ireland we can't go to the holy well over there but what if we could make a water feature in our backyard hmm what if we can make a nice little water feature or a nice little uh floating candle garden in our you know our special spot in our house where there's water where we sit near water and pray an important gift, a deep gift of remembering that comes from Celtic spirituality is the knowing and the history is there of us knowing that there is a motherly aspect of God, that there is the divine feminine, God the mother. You can think of her as the divine mother, or you can think of her as goddess, has kind of a different vibe. <laughs> divine mother, goddess. Uh, I love the goddess. I love the Divine Mother, and she manifests in all cultures, in all religions, in in many different ways, with different faces. And the very, very favorite face in Ireland is the face of Mary, the presence of Mother Mary, a manifestation of the Divine Mother, who in Catholic theology we say is the mother of Jesus, and that's why she's important. But she might have been around anyway. <laughs> she might She might be important anyway having her own sphere of uh, glory and um, um, sacredness. I'm very, very close to Mary. I love Mary with all my heart. And it was such a, a pleasure for me to travel through Ireland and, and see a little roadside shrine, see a little Mother Mary there. I, I love this, even in the cities here, I go around and somebody has put a Mary statue in their backyard with some flowers around it. I'm like, hi, I know. I know we love Mary. So, um, and I have been in relationship with her since a child. I used to see her physically as a child in my backyard and I feel her daily. I feel her energy. I sense blue light. I feel a ripple of peace and refreshment that comes and I hear her voice in my head sometimes. So, um, I'm just very blessed and I consider her my guru, my, my way into into the fullness of God in understanding things. And Mary brought to the world uh, a way of praying a while back. Mary appears in the world from time to time, usually in places that are struggling or, or are about to struggle a lot, uh, places that are about to um, have very difficult times. And she appears to young people. I don't know why that is but she does, she appears to teenagers and uh, brings messages and, and encourages us to pray and encourages us to do the rosary, which is a, a form of meditation. It's a, in, in uh, the Eastern culture, it would be the, the, the uh, call it japa, chanting, chanting a mantra where you're, where, and you keep yourself on track with this little 
a necklace of beads that helps helps you know you know that yes i'm just working these beads and i'm working this mantra i'm working this prayer and it's very traditional for the rosary to be spoken when people are passing when people are dying and that was one of the things that was really uh always a thing in my family uh at wakes and funerals we always you know once a night at least gathered together and prayed the rosary so i don't pray the rosary i don't know it doesn't speak to me in that same that same way but i respect it and i know it's a real thing that really brings uh, great depth to many people to use it there's the saint saints there are saints many saints from ireland but today we'll be talking about Bridget. Bridget, the fifth century saint, uh, who uh, was an abbess who started a monastery and was a leader, and uh, who uh, was very, very respected in her time and is still very, very respected today. And I'll be talking about her. Um, I'll be sharing the story about going to the Bridget Festival. And the wonderful thing about St. Bridget is that she is both goddess and Christian saint. She, she was there as goddess for a millennium before the saint came along. And she was known as the goddess of healing and poetry and smithcraft. Smithcraft being uh, metalwork, making weapons and jewelry. So, uh, and there was a, a fire temple. Her, her symbol is uh, both fire, the flame, the perpetual flame of Bridget, and the well, the holy well. So both, both of those symbols are important. Both of those are there in force in Kildare, Ireland, which is where um, Bridget was, where her abbey was. And Kildare means cell of the oak, church of the oak. So uh, this is lovely uh, merging in the life of St. Bridget between the old world and the Christian world, the pagan world and the Christian world. There's a, it was a transitional time. And St. Patrick was so clever as to realized that if he was going to convert the whole darn Ireland, island of Ireland, which he intended to do, he was going to have to use the existing wheel of the year that was already there. He was going to have to use some of the existing practices that were already there so that people would buy it, so that people would go, yes, yes, we'll, we'll do this. We love this. And great, bring, bring it with Jesus because we love Jesus too. But the, the, the wheel of the year in the church very much reflects the wheel of the year that came before then in the Celtic world. It is said that uh, in the ancient world on the hill of Kildare, there was a fire temple dedicated to the goddess Bridget and 19 virgin priestesses tended the fire, perpetual flame. And the story goes that each night, one of those priestesses would sit up at night and keep the fire going. And the next night, another priestess would do it and the next night and onward. But the 20th night, they would say, okay, Bridget, it's up to you. And they wouldn't send a human to tend the fire. They would turn it over to the goddess Bridget and she tended the fire. They'd wake up in the morning and the fire was going and it would look like somebody had tended it. So that was that's the legend around that fire temple and um, and then when Bridget came along, the saint came along, uh, and she built a monastery on that same location, uh, 
and things began to switch over. There was 19 nuns keeping the fire for the saint, the Bridget, the perpetual flame of, of Bridget that, that kept going. It kept going for a number of centuries and it was finally doused uh, by the church because it was considered too pagan. Uh, and they, they put that fire out. But in 1993, two Brigidine nuns relit the flame of Bridget and it burns today and perpetual flame of Bridget burns today. And that's what I'll talk about going to experience uh, when I tell that story. There's an important uh, symbol of deity in Catholicism and other world religions too, and that is Trinity, the Trinity. And growing up Catholic, I understood the three in one, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That was our Trinity. And uh, it was it's powerful. It's a powerful way of, of looking um, at the divine. And there are trinities in other religions as well. There's in the Hindu religion, there's Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, the creator, the sustainer, and the destroyer. And that's a trinity. That's, that, that helps us understand how God does the world, how God does the universe. It creates, it maintains, it lets go. That's a trinity. So, um, and, and some, some natural scientists believe that three is one of nature's favorite numbers, that nature loves threes in, in many forms the, uh, in the natural world. So, and my teacher, Edith, who taught workshops, she always had people break into groups of three because she said that numerologically, three is a synergistic number. It, it moves like this graphic. You see this graphic, it's, it's, it's moving, it's creating, it's, it's uh, interacting with itself. So if you want to really get something done, uh, you bring together a group of three people and, and the energy moves around that triangle, it doesn't get stuck in a corner. Uh, it doesn't get polarized like with two people or it's stuck in a corner like four people. It's, it's three, it moves around and it creates. So uh, Trinity is um, part of Celtic spirituality. And again, this I'm inviting you to think about in terms of your own spirituality. Maybe you have a trinity. I kind of have for 30 some five years a trinity of practice, which looks like I'm a mystical Catholic, I'm a yogi, med yoga meditator, and I'm a Wiccan mother goddess worshiper. I'm, I'm like those three things. And I, I do them all. I do them all synergistically throughout the year, and it feeds everything in me. You might have some some way of holding your spirituality that way or picking three of these practices. Maybe you have one solid uh, pathway of spirituality. You have Catholicism or you have Native American or you have yoga or Buddhism, but maybe you have three practices, a trinity of practices that move you along and make you feel strong and solid. Poetry, poetry is a wonderful uh, Celtic practice. Uh, in Ireland, poetry is very respected. In ancient Ireland, poet, the, the bard, the, the chief poet of the land was second only to the king. There's the king, the chieftain, and then there's the poet, bard, storyteller right after them. It was very, very respected. Writing is very respected in Ireland. Writing, literature, poetry, 
all a really big um, part of, of that world. So um, poetry is one of the, it's, I call it a spiritual practice because I believe poetry helps us uh, mend the world. It helps us bring disparate things together in some kind of unity of understanding. And it, 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 uh, every time I'm making a big transition, I end up needing to write a poem and it helps me, you know, close up the past and open up to the next thing. So, um, I want to read you a poem right now. A poem I wrote about going home to meet mother Ireland. It's called, I meet the old woman. And uh, my mother told me once that her father's cronies all from Ireland referred to Ireland in code when they were hanging out in the pub after work, they called it the old woman. I dreamed of the old woman, Ireland, who was dreaming of herself. She sat in the doorway of her cottage facing west, her lap in its faded dress spread wide as the sky overhead. Her upturned hands held peace. Her head drooped drowsily onto her ample breast and her sagging cheeks shook with soft snores. She dreamed unknowing in the pink twilight and the sea sang its endless song nearby. I imagined an old woman, my relative, Joan Leahy, only lately gone. She sat upright in her chair near the radio, and as she aged into her 90s, she sat long in that chair. She gazed across the room and out through the blurry window panes to ancient hedgerows that guarded the old ways inside her backyard while the modern world conversed apace on the airwaves. Hidden birds peeped the secrets of an unending present moment while Joan sat, holding memories, holding welcomes, for those who might come seeking. I met an old woman, Kitty O'Callaghan, who left her bright doorway to greet me as I stepped from the car onto the pavement of her driveway. She clasped my shoulders firmly and took in the whole of me, windblown hair, pilgrim coat, American surety. As her sea gray eyes looked into mine, they were my grandmother's. They were my aunts. They were the old woman's. Her smile spread with delight across her face. And she said with slow surprise, well now, aren't you just grand? So poetry. Dreams, dreaming, storytelling, blessing everyone and everything. If you go to Ireland, you get blessed up and down, <laughs> back and forth, sideways. People are blessing you all the time, all, all sorts of different kinds of blessings. You come in the, in the workplace and they say, God bless the work, you know, God bless this, I'll bless you now, safe home now. You're just getting blessed constantly and what a good thing to do. Why, do, why don't we do it too? Good idea. Friendliness, welcome to all. Friendliness is uh, 
it's so Irish. <laughs> I can't even understand people who aren't friendly. I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? You're not friendly. You gotta be friendly. It's, it's just native and important um, to uh, that culture. And way back uh, in Roman days, and some Roman guy had traveled and visited the Celts, and he visited the Hill of Terra, and people were feasting and singing and whatever. And he wrote back to his fellows. He said, "Boy, these Celts are strange. They don't even ask you who they, who you are. They they just welcome you to the table and feed you and sing with you and do all the stuff. And later on, they go, oh, so who what what's what's up? Who are you? What are you up to? What are you doing? How come you're here? They ask you later, why are you here? You're just here. Welcome. He called them. I love this. He called them." unreasonably hospitable. <laughs> so I like that. I believe in that. Pilgrimage is a spiritual practice. Journeying, journeying to a beautiful, special place with an intention to be blessed and to bless that place. Some of you may have gone to Sedona in the United States, gone to see the rocks, special rocks. We know they're special special vortex we're going to go there you you don't just go there casually and you know buy stuff in the tourist shop you go there on a pilgrimage you go there because you want it to touch your spirit and help you grow so pilgrimage to uh, a, a special place of rock or tree or water or how about ireland huh a pilgrimage to ireland that's that's the best of all the visit to a cave, which I'll talk about when I tell my cave story. Angels and elementals are part of Celtic spirituality, the invisible world right here all around us. Angels, elementals, ancestors all around us all the time. We interact with them. And I, I tell you, I, I could do a whole day about what I've learned about fairies over the years. <laughs> I love the fairies. They're actually real. They're really a thing, actually really thing. And they have their place in this world and they have this uh, desire to interact with us, to bring, to bring more joy and more connection between humans and the earth. Offering, bringing a special something in Native American culture, the tobacco is offered and sage is burned and the special plants are there and the offerings, the the tobacco um, pouches and the, the, the prayer ties, all of that. Um, when you bring something special to a special place and say, here, here, I honor you. I leave you this special treasure of mine. It's a, it's a practice that opens you up to the give and take in the universe. And lastly, the holy hearth and tea time. Great spiritual practice. The hearth, the fireplace, the home, the welcome, the sit here. What kind of tea do you like? Let me make the tea, you know. And it's it's a it's a thing. It's a like it's a coming present with each other in my home. My home is your home. Come, be welcome. Have the tea. And if you go to Ireland, you just have to have the tea. Even if you've gone to six places and, and each one of them gives you tea, you'll be a swim with tea. You'll be hyped up on caffeine by the end of the day, but you can't say no, you can't. 
sorry, you just, you have to have that tea because it's part of the ritual of the welcome. And I had this hilarious moment, one of my first trips to Ireland where uh, the stewardess came back, Aer Lingus, and she was, you know, an Irish woman. And she says, comes to me and she got her pot, she goes, tea. And I said, oh, no, thank you. And she looked at me and she said, and she slammed the cup down, looked at me and poured the tea. No, you will have the tea. <laughs> you must have the tea. Get, get started right now. You don't say no. You don't say no to the tea because it's communion. It's, it's sharing, right? So <laughs> she walked off and my husband looked at me like, okay, <laughs> she told you. <laughs> she told you what's the deal. You're going to have the tea. Not optional. So, so my husband and I have tea in a sacred manner, spiritual practice. We, we get the best tea. We, we, we buy it online. It's expensive. We don't care. We get the best jasmine green tea. That's our thing. And we have tea together in the late afternoon and we settle. We come present and we say, what is it? What's the day? How are you? What's deeper in? And share the tea. So this is simple, right? It's simple, but real. These, these uh, practices. So that is my menu, my, my little list of ordinary everyday uh, spiritual practices. And you may have seen a couple of them that shouted out to you like, yeah, I do that. Oh, I love that. I didn't, I never thought of it as a spiritual practice. So these are ordinary things, um, but, but we can elevate them to the level of sacred time, sacred time for ourselves. I call this story back to the cave. And I invite you to enter the story with me. At the heart of every good story is a sacred quiet that leaves golden seeds behind some of those golden seeds will be yours to plant in your own psyche to grow into something that is uniquely yours my stories are given to me by a great mystery and i want to share them with you so whatever comes of this story for you let it become your own fertile offering to that great mystery. It was 1995, and I had just learned that my precious darling sister, Hannah, had become pregnant unexpectedly with her child while she was living over in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, in Belfast. And our family decided that I should go there and be with her because she decided to stay there and give birth over there. So I was going to go for the first time to the home of my soul. I was so excited. I was so excited, even though it was the North and it was Belfast and it was weird times. It was at the very beginning of the peace process and there was still a lot of tension in the North, but I was excited to go home, so to speak, and to be with my sister while she brought forth her baby. So I called a friend of mine, my Anamkara, Joe, her name is, 
and I said, Joe, Joe, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm going to Ireland. I'm going to Belfast to be with my sister. And I, I can't wait. And, and she cut me off. She goes, Belfast. Oh, you've got to go to this place that I just had a dream about. I just had a dream about this amazing cave and it's near Belfast. I said, really? She said, yes, I, I was dreaming that I was walking in a cave, a, a glorious, huge cave in the earth. And it was so special in there. It felt so amazing in there. And I was just in a state of wonder as I walked. And in my dream, ahead of me in the distance in the cave, there was this softly glowing golden light. And there was the sound of murmuring. It sounded like women talking. It sounded like ladies chatting at a tea party off in the depths of the cave. And I followed the light, I followed the sound, and I came and there was a group of beautiful women. There was about a dozen of them and the light was coming out of their bodies. And I don't know if they were priestesses or goddesses or, or what, but they were so beautiful and so full of light and love. And they looked at me and they welcomed me like a sister. Ah, oh, Joe, come, come. And they brought me into their circle and they blessed me and showered me with love and they helped me remember many ancient things that I'd forgotten, which I'd forgotten again. <laughs> but at the, in the dream state, I remembered many ancient things and it was so beautiful. And they gave me a message to give to my friends. They said, we want you to tell your friends that anytime they need renewal, anytime that they're feeling depleted and lost, they can come to the cave. They can come seeking in the cave and they will be renewed. And she said, they said, please tell your friends this. And she started to leave in this, in this dream space. I started to leave and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, where is this cave? And the goddesses pulled out a map and they pointed and it was in Ireland. It was a map of Ireland and it was Northern Ireland. They, they said, oh, this is a real place and it's right here. And they pointed in a certain spot in the map. And Joe woke up. She said, huh, wow, that was so real. That was so vivid. I've got to find out if there's actually a cave there. I don't know. And this is before the internet. This is a long time ago. So she went and she went to the library. She got a book and she opened it up to the map and she looked where the goddesses had pointed in her dream. And there it was, it said it, Marble Arch Cave. It was there on the map, Marble Arch Cave. She said to me, Mary, you have to go visit the Marble Arch Cave for both of us. I dreamed this and you gotta go, you're going to Belfast. It's only 60 miles away. You, you gotta go. I'm like, yes, absolutely. I gotta go. Absolutely. I, I know a quest when I see one. I know a pilgrimage when it's about to go off. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna go visit that cave for both of us. And she brought me a stone, a, a special sacred stone. She wanted me to make an offering in the cave for her. So, and I, and I got one of my special stones and I had these stones packed, packed away. But a couple days before I left, I had a dream and I dreamt that I was in a cave, this beautiful cave. And I was walking down a long, long sandy slope from the outer world 
through this great big arch into these interior spaces of the cave where I could hear water dripping and I could hear some kind of murmuring. And suddenly there was this like whoosh, this blast of energy came from the depths of the cave and it was like water. It's almost like a flood. This flood of energy just came from the depths and spilled over me. And I remembered ancient things. I remembered living near that area by the Marble Arch Cave in a time before patriarchy. I remembered living at a time when women were leaders and respected and all the rituals of sexuality and birth and cycles were honored and part of our life. And we were not afraid of men and there was no such thing as assault. It, it, it didn't happen. It was a different world. It was almost like a, a time of great innocence. And I remembered this feeling of great innocence and trust and safety and delight and connection with tribe and earth and spirit. And I woke up in a state of awe and I said, wow, you know, it hasn't always been this way, the way of our world these days where women have been subjugated for many thousands of years. It's not always been that way and it doesn't have to remain that way because now I remember, I know what it feels like to have that sacred innocence. So I got on a plane, I went to Belfast. I reconnected with my darling sister. We hung out for five weeks and I was pregnant too. We were both pregnant. She was at the end of a pregnant uh, pregnancy and I was at the beginning. We hung out and tended each other's symptoms and we doted on each other. And, and then her partner who they were early in their relationship, he came over from America and and hung out too. And he and I had a terrible relationship with each other and we had a terrible fight and it was very dramatic and stupid. And I won't even tell you how stupid it was, but that all passed and we finally got it together, the three of us to be in harmony. Well, Hannah gave birth to Zachary. Wonderful, wonderful. And three days before I was to return to the States, I said, I gotta go to that cave. And uh, her partner, Jesse, drove me. He drove me the 60 miles to this through this beautiful area around a, a place called Enniskillen, where the hills are singing. I could hear them. I could hear the hills singing. It's such a beautiful place, such an ancient place. And it felt familiar. It felt just wonderfully familiar. So Jesse and I made our peace with each other, and we waved goodbye. I was going to take the bus home. Um, from the Marble Arch Cave back to Belfast and he took off and I go and I go up to the door of the visitor center and uh, it's closed. It's closed. No visitors uh, because there had been a lot of rain and flooding in the cave and it, it wasn't safe to walk around in there. And so the visitor center was closed and I'm standing there, little pilgrim, without a, without a place to go, uh, not even a ride home. Uh, oh, Oh, I came all this way with my offerings to see the cave. So like like a annoying American, I just stood there for the longest time knocking, <laughs> knocking and knocking. And there was because I knew there was two people in there. And they came and they said, so sorry, it's closed. It's 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 all flooded, it's not safe. And I like, yeah, but uh, uh I um I, I came from America to see this cave and um I, I'm a writer and I I wanna write about it and and I had a dream about it, and my friend had a dream about it, and I, oh, I've just got to get into this cave. And 
they looked at each other like, ah, oh, I don't know. They closed the door for a minute. They went to the side and conferred, ah, Sean, she's a writer. She had a dream. Her friend had a dream. I asked Sean, could you just take her in there for a while? Can you just, can you just, would you go with her, Sean? And ah, sure, I can do that. So he said, look, I'm not a tour guide. I'm a rock man. I study rocks, but I'll take you in there safely. So Sean took me into the Marble Arch Cave and he held my arm over the silt and sand that had covered the walkways and he helped me over little rivulets of water and it was amazing. It was so ancient and so new in there at the same time. You could hear the water trickling. You could see these amazing stalactites and stalagmites like columns, like cathedrals everywhere. And it was, it was just remarkable. And it is the source place of three rivers, three important rivers in Ireland. They all start there in that cave and go out into the land and get all filled with salmon and, you know, life. They start there in the Marble Arch Cave. And I was just in a state of wonder and uh, I, I began to get distracted because I, I was hearing voices. I was hearing the sound of talking. It sounded like women's voices whispering and talking and chatting like ladies at a tea party. And I said, uh, do you, do you hear voices? And he said, hmm. didn't answer me right away. I said, I hear voices. I feel, I, I hear voices. Do you hear voices? He said, it's them. I said, them, who's them? What are them? He said, mm. Well, of course, you know, it's, it's just the sound of echo of water and stone. You know, this, this is the sounds that nature makes. It's, but it, uh, many people report that they, they hear ladies' voices. They hear ladies talking and laughing in this cave. And I said to him, no, Sean, it is them. <laughs> it is them. They're, they're in here. Those special women spirits that my friend had saw in the dream. And I told him about my dream, her dream my dream his eyes got very large and uh he said well yeah mm, well mm. and then i said i brought an offering for the cave i i'd like to be alone for a minute and 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 uh leave this offering privately to the cave he's so is it like praying then i said yes yes it's exactly like praying he said all right then i'll, I'll be over here and he went down a ways and i climbed up into this place that kind of called me it had a like a window inside the rock and it's the darkness beyond it and i could kind of clamber up to it and peer in it was just dark in there and i took my friend's joe's stone and i said this is from joe she loves you she loves you she loves the earth she loves god she wants to leave this stone and i threw it in and heard it plunk on the ground in the dark and then i took my little stone and it was a white little round white stone it was a piece of brain coral from another goddessy place in the Yucatan Peninsula. And I, I really kind of wound up and, and threw it, threw it far into the dark and smack, it stuck on the far wall, which was wet clay. And there was my little white stone just hovering in there in the dark, like a little star. And there, I imagine it still is today. 
as we speak, my little white stone in the depths of a marble arch cave. And I gave thanks for that experience. I gave thanks for my mother, the earth, my mother, Ireland. I gave thanks for the babies that were coming. There was three babies coming in our family that year. And uh, I felt so blessed. And on the way out, Sean and I were quiet. But as we stepped over a little rill, a little rill of water that was flowing across the path, he just scooped down very easily and came up with a very round black stone that was there in the little rill of water in the cave. And he said, here, I think this one is yours. And so I have it today. I have it right here in my hand, my gift from Sean, the rock man at the Marble Arch Cave. And so I hope that you will at least take the message to heart that if you are ever deeply needing renewal, you are invited. You're invited to go visit the cave and to enter into the space of ageless time and fresh new beginnings that the cave offers us and renew your spirit there. And so whatever else of this story is meaningful for you, I hope you let it become yours because it was given to me by a great mystery and I now give it back. Blessed be. So let's just be quiet for a moment and breathe and feel your heart and see if like a good story, there's a couple of golden seeds left behind that are yours to take forward and plant. Okay. Whenever I, I teach a workshop or a seminar, uh, or attend one that's really rich, has a lot in it for me. I tell myself, I don't have to, to like, take every last thing from this thing. I just need my couple of golden nuggets. The couple of golden nuggets that are relevant to me now and that I will actually use and do something with. And uh, so that's my uh, invitation to you guys as I talk um, more about um, these practices uh you know is there a golden nugget in there like oh yeah that that's for me that's for me and as i tell stories is there a golden seed is there a golden seed in there for you to take with you so um i'm going to talk a little bit next about the wheel of the year and the circle prayer but before i do that i would invite uh three more people if you haven't spoken yet and you'd like to share briefly so far What's your golden nugget? What's your golden seed? What are you enjoying? What's alive for you so far? Anybody want to share? Meredith? I was struck by how naturally so many of these practices are woven in my life without calling them a spiritual practice. And it um, felt very affirming. And um, I was just on a walk with a friend before this time together. And when someone comes to my home for a walk, 
um, I take them to my favorite tree and introduce them. Mm -hmm. And so to hear you felt Meredith, <laughs> like, right? like, well, I guess it's just in there. That's just what I am. Well, so I, I really appreciate the feeling of feeling found when I'm with you. Hmm. And uh, it's just a beautiful time. Thank you for sharing those beautiful stories too. Hmm. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Thank you. Anyone else aware of a golden nugget or a golden seed in your experience so far today? Linda? Um, my sister and I were just listening to the David White poetry, Irish poetry um, piece before this. and. He had a, a fellow on there named Blackie. I can't remember what Blackie's last name was, but he was a bagpiper. And it reminded me of when you were talking about one of those elements of Celtic spirituality being music and, and ritual, because this guy, <laughs> he was just an amazing bagpiper. And I, I found myself kind of just like dancing in my chair, you know? <laughs> and so I really, I really um, resonated with when you talked about Celtic spirituality and and music because of that. What well, just felt so ancient and beautiful. Mm. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. And I forgot to mention when I was talking about poetry and writing uh, that it's been a long-held uh, practice in Ireland that writers are not uh, charged taxes by the government. Their writers are tax-free. And, and it, actually now it extends to artists. Writers and musicians and visual artists are tax exempt in Ireland because Ireland's so smart <laughs> about their culture. <laughs> so I wanted to throw that in there. Anyone else wanna share before we go on? On we go. Um, I want to uh, talk a little bit about the practice of the Wheel of the Year, being cognizant and participating in the Wheel of the Year. And I hope you guys are thinking about your wish or your intention or your dream, because towards a little later on when we cast the circle, when we pray in a circle prayer, you want to have that handy in your heart to ask the universe for. This is a graphic that um, will help us orient. And there's a lot to be said about each one of these um, times, um, but I will leave it to you to explore it some more if you want more, um, more information about this. I'm gonna share the way that I understand it, the way I live with it. It's, it's kind of simple, but nice. The Wheel of the Year uh, in the Celtic world starts at our Halloween time. It's That is New Year's. That is New Year's in, Ireland, in the old world. And we see that um, on this chart with the word that it's spelled like Samhain, but it's pronounced Samhain because it's Gaelic and Gaelic isn't ever pronounced like it looks and it has way 
so many vowels and consonants all crunched together in ways you can't even believe. Gaelic is a very complex language, but if you really want to have some fun with Gaelic, uh, look up, just get, get on and look up uh, common Gaelic phrases, like look up hello in, in Gaelic and other, other common Gaelic phrases. And the way they frame things is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's so strange, so strangely metaphorical. And that is why Irish people have managed to turn the English language into something more glorious than the English had ever imagined because translating from Irish to English is, uh, it, it's poetic. Gaelic is poetic. And so they end up saying things in such a charming way. People go, oh, they're so charming the way they say things. That's partly because Gaelic is a metaphorical poetic language, though it is hard to pronounce. But for instance, this is the blessing thing. To say hello in Gaelic, I, I can't say it, I can't pronounce it, but it means God to you. God to you, that's hello. It's kind of like namaste. But Samhain, Halloween, is the new year. It is the time of entering the dark and the quiet. It is the time where we feel the connection with the invisible, the ancestors. That's why there's ghosts at Halloween. And that's why there's the Day of the Dead in the Mexican culture uh, and other places where it, this is the time of year is considered where the veil uh, between life and death is very thin and we can feel the spirit world more thoroughly um, at Samhain, at Samhain time. So there are many old uh, peasant traditions that go along with that. And I'm, I'm just not going to get into all of that. That is really something you could read about. But for me, Samhain, that's October 31st, November 1st, the night, that night, it's, it's a time of special reckoning and acknowledgement around the inevitability and the gift of death, the doorway of death and the entry into the death of things that have been growing in the earth and uh, things that it's time to let go of in yourself and entering into a time of, of rest and darkness and quiet. And that brings us to winter solstice known as Yule, which is the pinnacle of that silence in the winter. It's the pinnacle of that quiet. And I just invite you on December 21st to take a quiet day. That's what I do. I, I, I write it off the calendar. I don't work or shop or go to a concert or anything. On December 21st, on winter solstice, I meditate, I sleep, I daydream, I rest, I get together with my Anamkara group, and we do all those things together quietly. Uh, we light candles in the dark. We take a winter walk in silence. It's, uh, it's a beautiful time of being deep within as the earth is, as the earth energy is deep within. And you find, I find that I'm very tired around winter solstice. I'm just tired. I don't want to go to stores and all the other holiday stuff that's going on in our world. I want to be in, I want to be in rest, in meditation, quiet. 
So I give myself that gift. And then I go to a concert or a thing, a thing, a thing, a thing. But I give myself that day of quietude um, to light the fire, dream by the fire, and uh, be inside, inside myself. It's very still. You can feel the stillness in the earth on that day. It's a special, special kind of quiet on that day. If you just attune to it a little bit, you'll feel it. It's very sacred. And from that day, the, the cycle begins to move gently towards the light again, slowly, slowly towards the light again. And the next point on the wheel, which the Celts called Imbolc, and which we call Groundhog's Day in America, and which in the Catholic Church was uh, St. Bridget's Day, but it was, it was also the Celtic Day dedicated to the goddess Bridget. And they said that's the time of the quickening in the earth. The quickening of the seeds and the bulbs deep in the ground, are they're starting to wake up, starting to like, ooh, you know, tremble a little bit. Hello, waking, waking from sleep. Not growing yet, not sprouting yet, uh, but starting to stir. And we feel that too. The light changes. At February 2nd, you can really feel like the light is different than two days before. The earth's tilt has done its thing. And you're like, oh, wow, there's more light. You feel this kind of quickening inside you. Like, oh, oh you know what? Spring will come eventually. I, I see there's more light here. There's a sense of sort of remembering about waking up and growing again. Which brings us to um, March 21st, spring equinox, also known. I can't... I don't know how they pronounce that, but we call it Easter. Uh, it's from that word, Eustara, okay? And that is when life, bing, begins to sprout. It begins to wake up. And I have experienced on that day a sense of like a vivid emerald green light energy just whoop, coming into my mind as I meditate. Like, oh, that is green. Oh, that is life force. Life force is there, it's happening. Spring equinox. Which brings us around the wheel to May 1st, Beltane, May Day, which is all out sexy. <laughs> sexy, fertility, passion, love, mm, dancing, celebrating, growing, hoping, planting, mm, festivals, the Maypole, very phallic. It's, uh, it's really celebrating uh, fertility and birth and the sexuality that is, that is part of us and part of that. And that's why it is said that the Celts went and just made love in the fields with whoever the heck they wanted to on May Day. You could, you didn't have to like, you know, hang on to the monogamous thing for one night. You could go and do it with somebody in a nice softly plowed, furrowed, moist field of dirt. Boy, that sounds kind of nice. I can, I can imagine it. I can't really do it because, you know, that was then and this is now and I'm married and, you know, there's just don't do that thing anymore. But they said that any child conceived and made a at Beltane was considered special, a special child in the community. They weren't considered a bastard. Like things got perverted during the advent of patriarchy 
and the way things went, you know, with relationships and marriage and men and women and the, all that. Um, the, the child that was conceived uh, during the night when there was great bonfires on all the hills in Ireland and people were doing it with whoever they wanted to, that was a special child. So I think that's a lovely thing to imagine. And then we go to summer solstice, June 21st, and that is full extension of chi, life force. That is life force all the way out. And I can feel it on June 21st. I can feel it in the tops of the trees. I can feel the trees going, yes. I can feel that that pounding, drumming, excited, uh, bursting forth, blooming energy of summer, summer solstice, a time of great joy and celebration and uh, uh, things growing, blossoming, parties, cookouts, 4th of July, all those things around that time of year. And then as summer wanes, we get to August 2nd, Lunasa, named after a god, an old Celtic god named Lug. Lunasa was a time of first harvest. It's a time where dreams are starting to come true, where things are starting to work out. Things are starting to uh, be able to be collected and nourish, nourish you. And it was also a time in the Celtic world for visiting. People went visiting. They, they went, they got their cart and pony hitched up and they went two counties over to visit their cousins. Uh, and they went to music festivals and they went to market fairs. They went traveling about during that first week in August, traveling about, and it still happens in the Celtic world. There's still a lot of visiting that goes on in all the Celtic countries where you go and catch up with your faraway relatives and friends. And um, so that's a time of, of satisfaction, you know, like, okay, you know, this, this is good. Here's some good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it moves along to the full on harvest, the, the uh, fall equinox, September 21st, a time of, of hard work, a time of bringing in the food, a time of celebrating and um, cooking and uh, just fullness, fullness of life. And it, it, it's a time I think a lot of us feel that kind of, you know, let's get let's get to work here. Let's go to school. Let's start something new. Let's start a project. Let's get it going. Let's, you know, let's do, let's do the stuff in the fall, that kind of fall cleaning, that fall uh, sploosh of energy that happens. So that's just kind of a sample of how the wheel of the year turns for me. And um, I, th I feel it helps me feel oriented. It helps me feel like I know what time it is. And my practice is to is to be very mindful of each one of those points of the year. They come for like three days before, four days afterwards. I do, uh, I just do more connecting, more connecting with self and earth. I, I had a practice for years with a good friend where we would get together on each of those points of the year and do a little tarot card reading. We'd pick a card for the coming, I think we just did it on the quarter. So we did it on the equinoxes and solstice. We'd pick a card for the coming three months. And then you, that would kind of guide us around what's the, you know, what's the deal? What are we doing these, these three months? And we would 
um, bear witness for each other around the developments in our life. But I have heard it said that it is time, those times on the wheel are when the earth is more conscious and of us and we can be more conscious of her, like it's heightened. It's, it's a time to go there. It's a time to do some of these things, these practices, because you're more awake to it and it's more awake to you. So those are my thoughts on the wheel of the year. All right. Ready for my other story? I want to tell you a story that is the story of the light of Bridget. So we'll gather around the fire again and I'll tell you a tale. I have a very, um, what's the word? Active relationship with my spiritual guide, who is Mother Mary. And she tells me things all the time that she wants, she suggests that I do for my own good. And one year, it was, oh, I don't know, springtime, one year. And she said to me, out of the blue, I want you to make a plan to visit Kildare in Ireland. You can go by yourself or you can bring your family. I don't care. I want you to go to Kildare at Bridget time. And I always do what she says. She's always right. Never mind that I was broke and I wasn't, you know, making that much money and uh, the thought of like, oh yeah, let's suddenly go on a foreign trip, all of us. You know, that that wasn't easy for my mind, my ego, but I, I know better than to argue with it. I know it's gonna work out. If I feel a pilgrimage calling, if I feel a spiritual adventure beckoning me, especially through my teacher, I'm gonna go. So I made a plan and uh, Fred, my husband, and my daughter Vivi, who was I think about six, a real Irish kid, crazy Irish kid. She, She's just from there. And she knew it when we went there. She knew places. She really is from there, even though she was born here. Well, we went. We got on a plane uh, a week before Bridget time. And this time I justified it, the whole expense thing, by saying, I'm going to find some work there. I'm going to do some networking. I'm going to meet with Father Patty and Sister Eileen, and I'm going to cook up some workshops for counselors and teach forgiveness. So I had a little mission. And I had done some reading about Bridget, the Bridget Festival. And I thought, wow, I want to connect with those Bridgetine nuns. They are some rock and roll women, those two nuns that started this whole flame of Bridget thing again. I want to connect with them. So I had my things that I was going to do. We got on the plane and on the plane with us was the entire St. Olaf choir, which is amazing. Like, like there, I don't know, there was 80 of them, maybe more in the, in the cabin where we were. And as we approached Ireland, as we, as the plane began to cross over 
that green, those green spaces down below and everybody was just craning to see this place, ancient place below us. The choir, upon request, sang a song, a choral, a choral number called River, because there's so many rivers in Ireland and they're all very special and respected. And uh, the sound that filled the cabin of that plane made every hair on my body stand straight up for the five minutes that they were singing. It was so beautiful. It was so sacred and so honoring of water and rivers and rivers in Ireland. It was such an, a special inauguration for that trip. I felt already renewed when we landed the plane and, and set off on our, our journey. So my husband and Vivi and I went on a few little adventures. We had to go see some places and some things that she'd heard about. And, you know, we were tourists for, for a little while. And uh, then I was going to make my way to go visit Father Patty and Sister Eileen and do a little networking sort of thing. On our way to visit uh, Glen Camara, it's a beautiful retreat center where I was going to teach, we passed through Kildare, that town that is where Bridget's um, legacy is rooted. And But it was a week before the Bridget Festival. It wasn't happening. And it was this like, ah, you know, kind of this, I don't know, it was a little bit ugly. It was like an ugly little old town. Uh, it had like too many trucks in the tiny streets and there was the road construction and uh, it was kind of loud and fraught and gray. It was really gray and cold and windy and it just wasn't that nice. And I thought, huh, wow. So, okay. But nevertheless, I am determined to at least try and connect with Sister Mary Minahan. Who was one of the two Brigidine nuns, Sister Mary Minahan, and and um, her actual biological sister. I forgot her name, but uh, these two sisters had been stationed in France for a long time, and they they got it in their souls that you know what the divine feminine is on the rise. You know what that darn flame of Bridget should be burning. That church shouldn't have put that thing out four centuries ago, and we're going to light it again. We're going to bring back the sense of who Bridget was as a saint for today, because her sensibilities for justice and ecology and other things that she was about in those days are so important today. We're going to bring it back. So I read this story about Sister Mary Minahan and her sister, and they had told their order that they had this mission and that they wanted to go and establish in Kildare and establish a center. It's called Solas Bridge, Light of Bridget. And that they, on Bridget's day in 1993, were gonna light, relight the perpetual flame of Bridget. And so they did. They got some friends together and other people that were into it. And they made this big cauldron that had Celtic designs on it in the square of Kildare and they lit the flame and celebrated it in 1993. And year after year then, they would take a flame from that fire and they would take it into their center and they would have it on their altar and keep it burning. It kept burning and burning and burning. When the millennial uh, millennium turned, people had started hearing 
about the flame of Bridget, the perpetual flame of Bridget. And women's spirituality was on the rise. So people started coming there and visiting Solas Bridge. And this is hard to believe because this was before 911. People would bring a little candle from their house or their church or their center and light it at the flame, the perpetual flame of Bridget, and bring it through the airport home to whatever country they were going to. They bring it, they bring it like a live flame all the way home because that was before the world changed. Last time it changed, right? So people were lighting the perpetual flame of Bridget, symbolizing the goddess, symbolizing divine uh, feminine spirituality all over the place. And this thing was growing. So this thing was growing in its uh, notoriety. So we were going there then in 2003, and it had been happening for a while. But while we went through Kildare a week before the Bridget Festival, as I said, it wasn't very nice. It wasn't very pretty. But Nonetheless, I had my little package. I had my book and my workbook and my CD for my forgiveness work. And I had my my sturdy, little, diligent Irish spiritual worker attitude on. And I was going to meet that sister and see if she would, you know, dance with me around forgiveness work in Kildare sometimes. So, but I didn't know where she was. I didn't know how to find her. This is a week before the festival, so I don't know where she was. So... I asked someone on the street, I said, do you know where the sisters live? Do you know where Sister Mary Minahan lives? And they said, oh yeah, sure. She's over there in that cul-de-sac. And I was only like a block away from it. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I said, do you know the address? They said, oh no, I just go there, you'll find her. You know, I said, uh, okay then. So I go and I go into this little cul-de-sac and there's like eight uh, condo sort of things in a circle around the cul-de-sac. And I'm like, ah, oh, what do I do? Do I knock on all the doors? That's that's kind of embarrassing. I don't know. So I'm standing in the middle of the cul-de-sac, holding my little book and my little intention about connecting. And I look building to building to building. And in one of the buildings across from me, in the window, is a woman wearing a red sweater, holding a cup of tea with her hand on her hip and looking out the window like strong. I said, that's her. Answer. I'm, I'm going. I went and I rang the bell, and I said, "Are you Sister Mary Minahan?" She said, "Yes, yes, dear, I am." I said, "Oh, I'm so glad. I, I just wanted to connect with you. I didn't know how to do it." And she goes, "Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Oh, you see, it's a terrible time. My sister has broken her ankle. I have to go to the emergency room. Oh, dear. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I can't stay. Oh, but then she stops, and she puts her hands, both her hands, on both sides of my cheeks." And she says, you're very welcome. Would you like to go in and pray while I'm gone? And I said, yeah. And she brought me into the chapel where there was beautiful hanging about Bridget with rainbows and trees and babies and flowers and dancing. It's just really like, wow, happy women's spirituality graphic going on. And the altar with the flame. <laughs> the perpetual flame that they had uh, lit t 10 years before and had been kept going by all the people at Solas Breach all these years. So I sat there and I had a little weep. I just felt like so home. I felt so welcome home. Just had this little weep. Oh, that was nice. I left my books for her. We went on our way on the rest of our trip. 
with the intention of coming back through Kildare on the, on the backside of things and in experiencing this festival. So a week later, we come back through Kildare and it's totally different. All the shops have little flags, little, uh, these little banners, little Bridget banners with flames and, and wells and chalices and rainbows and things. And there's this huge cauldron with Celtic designs on it in the village square with this huge flame, it's going. And there's all these people streaming in from everywhere. There's like 500 people from different countries coming in around the world to this, this space to celebrate Bridget, which represented different things for each of them. There were a lot of nice old Catholic ladies like my mom and her friends. And there were a lot of nice young witches with studs and tattoos, some of them celebrating the saint, some of them celebrating the, the goddess all together, no problem. The Bridgeting nuns said there's no need to draw a distinction between Bridget the saint, Bridget the goddess. We're, we're in on all of it, you know. So there's this wonderful spirit there. And it was, a, it was an important moment for world peace. It was just before uh, the United States invaded Iraq. And the rest of Europe was really upset with us. Like, what are you thinking? Oh my God, what are you guys doing? Oh, in fact, a couple of old ladies pulled me aside at one point and they ascertained first that I wasn't a fan of George Bush. And then they said, what are, what are our American friends thinking? We're very worried about you. We're afraid you've gone mad. What are you thinking? I'm like, I don't know. I can't, I can't say. But then there was this part of a ceremony was that world peace ceremony that was held in the foundation of the goddess temple. You can still see a little bit of the goddess fire temple right at the foot of the Catholic church where they do world peace ceremony. And they asked, people gathered around and they said, we would like to ask our American friends to light the fire, which I thought was so generous of them. And so apropos, because all this war energy was in the air for us. So we lit the fire in the in that um, temple place and then there was all these other activities you know there was this walk here and this contemplation there and this visit to the well and this, and this workshop about this the workshop about that and i don't know i, I only did a little bit of it because it was really cold it was really cold a lot of it was outside but the two things i want to tell you in the rest of the story are the the two magic things silly magic one of them and great magic the other silly magic. I'm out in a crowd of about 500 people on this open grassland called the Kura, which is where the wild horses run, which is where the which is where horses have always been bred there. It's this big, beautiful acreage of, of land that's considered blessed by Bridget. There's stories about her and the Kura. And on that day, it's traditional for the peasants to make Bridget crosses out of reeds. They would make this Bridget cross, they would bless, and they would bless the home for a year. They put the new Bridget cross over the door for the year. So it's a tradition. So I'm at this little workshop about the Kura and Bridget, and there's 500 people standing around being cold. And this older woman picks me out of nowhere, walks up to me, and with a Bridget cross in her hand, she said, I've asked the Lord, well, I made two crosses today, and I've asked the Lord to show me which two people here I should give them to. And, and you are one of them. And I said, oh, my, thank you. Thank you so much. 
I, she said, where are you from, darling? I said, I'm from Minnesota. She goes, oh, how strange, because the other person that God told me to give the bridge across to is also from Minnesota. I said, really? She said, yes, yes, I'll show you who he is. And it's, it's an, I said, it's a man from Minnesota, got your other bridge across? She said, yes. I said, I'll find him. Just watch this. So I look and I just scan this crowd, you know, and there he is. South Minneapolis, Powderhorn Park, hippie guy standing there with kind of an open-minded look on his face, little long braid, you know, holding his bridge across. I said, that him? She's like, yes, that's him. How did you know? I said, unmistakable, just unmistakable. He's from my hood. He's not even just from Minnesota. He's from where I live, the neighborhood I live in. He works at the Heart of the Beast Theater. He's like, so I go up to him and I say, Richard, hi, Powderhorn. He's like, yeah, whoa, yeah. So anyway, we made friends with the with the Bridget Magic thing, and we actually like got together on St. Patrick's Day for the next three years at Mayday Cafe to have tea, because you know when God does things like that, you're supposed to be friends with somebody. It was darling. That's the silly magic. Here's the great one. So, with the rise of divine feminine spirituality, and all the pilgrims coming to Kildare and the, the new interest in Bridget, goddess and saint, a church in a nearby Kildare in a place called Suncroft commissioned a statue of, of a sculptor of Bridget teaching the children. So it's a statue of Bridget standing there holding a, a book and three children nearby her and she's looking down and they're, they're being together. And the woman that sculpted it was nearing the end of the job and she was working on the front of Bridget's garment and she thought well you know we want to have a Celtic cross on her chest that's that's the thing to do we're going to have a, a beautiful Celtic cross over her heart so she starts carving this is like a huge slab of granite that's you know just it's just granite it, it's not like speckled or anything it's just this gray rock right so she's carving and she carves the space for the Celtic cross on Bridget's chest. And she carves smoothing it down, smoothing it down. And something white starts to show up from within the rock in the exact center of the cross, a fossil of a white shell shaped like the crescent moon, symbol of the goddess, appeared out of the rock in the center of the Bridget cross on the sculpture, the new sculpture of Bridget. So there she stands, girls and boys. Saint with the memory of the goddess in her heart, in the center of that cross. And that's how they live now in Kildare, merged the old world and the world that came after and the Celtic goddess Bridget and the Christian, Saint Bridget, and everyone together saying Bridget, which is a Gaelic word that means strength. Amen to that story. Wasn't that cool? <laughs> you can see it. You can you can find the picture online. I went to go see it, of course. I, I got in the car and drove to Suncroft and looked at the statue and said, yep, there it is. That's really happened. Miracle.
So I'm just going to check my time and my plan. So the next part of the plan is to cast a circle, a la the way that I do it. There are other ways people cast the circle in other traditions, too. The, the Lakota, the Native Americans have their way of doing the circle, doing the directions. Um, Ayurvedic medicine has its way of doing things. Shamanism has its way. Um, this is the, the Celtic way, which means that we start in the north and we have certain other symbols that are kind of unique to that. But um, this is going to be your chance to uh, stand up and uh, face. We're going to, uh, if you can, we're going to stand and, or you can sit, you can swivel your chair if you rather and face the directions as I speak qualities of them. And at the end, to have a moment of stillness together where you put forth silently your intention, your wish, your dream. In the handout I sent you, um, the last page I have a list of resources and referrals. Some of the things I may have mentioned as I went along. It's incomplete. <laughs> I didn't want to finish it because I figured there might be something else that comes up. That someone says, what you, how do I find out more about da, 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 or do you, uh, you know, or you mentioned this, how do you know, where's that resource? So I'm going to finish that in the next couple days and send it out with um, the audio recording of this. So you can listen to this again on St. Pat's Day, if you wish. <laughs> You'll have an alternative to like all the green drunken fun going on, you know, which is. <laughs> so offensive, <laughs> so sad, so uh, not my favorite. So, um, but there's something I think people are really interested in connecting with in Ireland. And that's why St. Pat's is such a big deal, especially for homesick Irish people. Uh, so, um, and I have sent you the full script of what I'm going to speak for us as we pray in a circle. So you can you can refer to that in the future. You can make your own. It's a long one. There's many shorter versions of casting the circle, you know, one line each, like five lines where you say it. There's many short, simple ways of being with the circle. You can you can take a, a circular walk around your park or a lake. And the tradition goes that if you walk clockwise around the circle, around the park, whatever, you're creating. If you walk counterclockwise, you're banishing. So say you're in a terrible mood and uh, you really want to clear and, you know, get rid of some things, some feelings. You would walk counterclockwise with an intention of, of this being kind of a walking prayer that is a circle. We're banishing or we're creating. You could cast a circle before an important meeting or uh, anything important that you're doing that you really would want to feel completely held inside the universe and, and calling on energies that will help you. So um, I suggest that if you want to stand so that you can face each direction, we can do that. If you want to just sit, you can also just hold your hand like to greet the north. I'm greeting the north. I'm greeting the east. I'm greeting the south, I'm greeting the west. 
You can just do it like that. You, this is all very adaptable. I made up a lot of this stuff for myself and uh, you can make up your stuff too. And the examples that I use for the different uh, qualities of the directions are some of my favorites, but you can put in your own favorites. You can, you can put your own favorite earthy things in there or airy things in there, etc. So it's meaningful to you. Okay, so let's see if I can stand up. I'm all crowded in here. All right. All right. So let's face the north and be aware of your feet on the ground and your spine nice and straight and strong. And imagining your good soul like a shining sun hovering over your head or shining in your heart or in your whole personal space, however you want to visual, visualize that. And then above us and all around us, the earth, the universe, listening. I call upon the angels and the energies of the north, the place of earth and life of the body, season of winter and our material experiences. I welcome the rocks and the trees and the bear and other mammals. I take within me your silence and serenity, your patience and steadiness. Thank you for standing with us in the circle and blessing us. We turn to face the east. I call upon the angels and the energies of the east, place of air and the life of the mind with its power for truth and the will to initiate change. We greet our friends, the winged ones, birds and butterflies and insects. We thank you for springtime and winds and breezes, for sunrise and growing light and new beginnings. Thank you for spaces and vistas and the energy of freedom. We welcome your freshness and movement into our circle. we turn to face the south. I call upon the angels and the energies of the south, place of fire and the inspiration of the spirit with your power for transformation. We welcome the blossoming fullness of summer and singing and dancing and passion and sexuality. You inspire our art and creativity, our community and celebration. We honor the power of fire in candles and campfires, the fires that blaze high and the soft glow of embers, the fires that cook and fires that craft, and we respect you always. We embrace our transformations because it is the way of the universe, and we welcome your warmth into our circle. Turning to the west. I call upon the angels and the energies of the West, the place of the waters and the life of the heart and our feelings. We greet the rivers and lakes of our land and the faraway ocean. 
we recognize the gifts of water in rain and snow and ice. We receive the waters that cleanse and the waters that quench and the gentle counselor that reflects the heart's truths with compassion. We greet the twilight and the return to our source with our friend, sweet death. We welcome the waters and the West into our circle. And now we stand and open our hearts and maybe lift your arms if you wish to the sky. I call upon the angels and energies of the center, Father Sky, the cosmos, and the great starry cauldron of the universe. We reach to our eternal home, where we come from and return to, and visit the awareness of the angels, the masters, the ancestors, and other friends in the universe we do not yet know. We bring fresh, new, crystalline energy from the far places where the universe is still expanding and being created. We bring those energies down through the center of our circle to refresh us in our walk on Earth. I'm bringing your attention to below your feet and all around us in the land. We bow now to the great mother earth, Gaia, who dwells beneath us and all around us. We sense your being in your deep molten core and we bring your strength into our feet and our whole bodies. We are your children and we are grateful for your nurturance and all of your seasons and ages. Thank you for your beauty and your endurance and your patience with us, your human children. We give you our love and our gratitude and our blessings now and pray for your healing and your full restoration to health. We commit to learning how to live here with you in a healthy and reverent way. Thank you, our mother, the earth. The circle is cast. And so remaining standing or established in your center of this sphere that we have created, this 360 degree sphere, this living circle, visualize that you are standing also in a column of light, a pillar of light that goes from core of earth up through your body through your spine out your crown chakra up above your head and straight up and out into the starry universe you stand in a pillar of connection and humbly and trustingly you silently express your wish in this space are you silently name your intention or a dream you have. And you let this go, let this wish, this dream, this intention float up and out of your space into the center of the universe, 
where the creator is listening and you release it to its proper ways and timing according to God's will. And you give thanks for the opportunity to be here as a human learning new and ancient things together. And then we close the circle. There's different ways of closing the circle. The group that I'm in, we sing a little song. We sing, the earth, the air, the fire, the water, return, 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 return. The earth, the air, the fire, the water, return, 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 return. The earth, the air, the fire, the water, return, return, return. The earth, the air, the fire, the water, return, return, return. Return, return. The circle is open. Let's let's hear from the magic three. Let's hear briefly from three people. Uh, what's the what's your favorite golden nugget you're taking away from this afternoon? And then we're going to close with a, a beautiful short video that's a blessing from um, people in Ireland. Uh, and it's, uh, it's intended to uplift people during the pandemic. It's one of many blessing songs that churches have been putting out around in different countries. It's a wonderful phenomenon going on. Um, and we'll play that Irish blessing song. And you'll see it's very, it's more Catholic. It's, uh, you know, God is he and all of that. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, Ireland's mostly Catholic, so we got to do that, you know? So whatever your spirituality is, they're blessing all of us. They're blessing all of us all the time. So uh, would anyone like to share something that you've appreciated about being together today? Oh, yeah, Paula. Just wanted to say thank you, Mary, for helping me find my way home spiritually. I feel like it's going to take a three, a tri-form of some sort. I don't know yet. My great wish was just to have that to be revealed and not to worry and just be. Had a girl. Great attitude. <laughs> Someone else? A favorite thing from today? I'll go. Sarah. Thank you, Mary, for the lovely day. And uh, one thing that stuck out to me was about the... Um, asking how we could just ask for renewal and I was like I'm gonna ask those people in the cave for sure <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna count on them and you know there's some good caves in Wisconsin ah you know right. we got we got caves in Wisconsin and Minnesota you don't have to go to Ireland I mean it'd be great to go to Ireland but yeah you can find yourself a cave that sounds good in the meantime I was gonna ask in my mind yeah <laughs> that as well Thank you. Visit the cave spiritually. Yes. You're welcome. Monica? Um, I just really, um, this, the Celtic wheel of the year really resonates with me. I've, I've always sort of had that cycle in my own life, um, in my energy levels. And 
Um, for a long, long time, I, I couldn't really identify it and I kind of fought against it because our culture really expects us to just be the same all the time. You know, you go to work and you're supposed to be as productive, you know, in the dead of winter as you are in the growth of summer. And so, um, I, you know, for me, it's just like, well, it just affirmed what I already kind of knew and um, how I kind of had started living my life after too many years. And, you know, I, I wish I'd, have, you know, taught this to my kids when they were growing up because um, it's, it is a cycle and we, we tend to, to deny, deny those sometimes. And I think it's a really important thing to keep in mind. Mm, nice. I'm glad that's meaningful to you. Very good. Well, um, I hope you will enjoy this lovely choral blessing upon all of us from the 300 churches in Ireland who created this song for us. There's uh, pieces in the song from um, a famous prayer, which I'll try and uh, copy and give you in the resources thing, St. Patrick's Breastplate. It's a, uh, it's a prayer that St. Patrick wrote when he was trying to fortify himself with total courage. And he talks about the circle a little bit there. He's talking about Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ around me, Christ above me, Christ below me. He's, he's casting a circle with Jesus, with Jesus energy, you know, but it's, it's kind of the same idea of it, of that um, space being fortified. So uh, we will um, play this. It's about six and a half minutes long. And then I'll close with a, uh, another Celtic blessing and workshop will be over and I'll hang out here in a little for a few minutes if people want to linger and ask a question or say yay or anything. <laughs>
The Lord met the light of his face, and the goodness of his heart to be brecht upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Niech się Pan błogosławi i strzeże. Paka se lumineze faca lui peste Jehoneka. Jehova, pirumukam ninda melu yarti. Neneka samad. Kosi fuini alafia. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rain fall softly upon your fields. May your house be too small to hold all of your friends. Until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of her hand. Blessed be.